We want to explore all sports and competitions on a deeper level in order to understand the less mainstream topics and events. We here at Deep Dive Sports not only want you to walk away having learned something, but for us to have learned something new as well. Now don't get us wrong, we will do our best to cover the big events, but our main goal is to give you a different perspective on some of the overlooked sports and competitions across the globe. We hope you're ready to learn, laugh, and have fun because we are excited to bring you this podcast. Please sit back, relax, and dive deep into these topics with us. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Deep Dive Sports. Today, we are covering Gaelic football, which is one of the sports to come from the great country of Ireland. So to give you a brief rundown of today's show, Nick, Dom, and myself will be covering all the important information regarding this sport. On top of that, Storytime with David, myself, returns for another week. In this story, I describe what it was like being at an actual Gaelic football club. First, let's get into the history of this great sport. First, let me begin with what Gaelic football is in the first place. Gaelic football is similar to regular football soccer. However, the players can use both their feet and their hands in order to control and pass the ball. However, we will cover the rules a little later in the show. There were examples of the sport leading up to the 1600s, describing what would become Gaelic football. With that said, the first actual records of the support were written in the county of Meath in 1670. There were several reasons why Gaelic football never really picked up in the 17th and 18th century. However, I want to focus on what was happening in the 19th century, which would almost cause the sport to die off. Those two factors would include the potato famine in 1840, which was affecting all the sports in the area. Also, the rival sport of cricket, was on the rise in the 1860s. On top of that, many of the towns were banning the native Gaelic game, thus causing the Gaelic Athletic Association, or GAA, to be created in 1884 in a billiards room at the Tipperary Hotel. This would eventually lead into what would be the Gaelic football many of the fans know. Now to move on to Nick with the rules of the game. Gaelic football is known as an Irish field invasion game played with a round football, which can be caught, kicked, and hand-passed. These matches last for 60 minutes with two 30-minute halves. The teams consist of 15 players on the field and 15 reserves. Each team may make five substitutions throughout the match. Each player on the field must be numbered 1 through 15. The goalkeeper must be number 1 and wear a different colored jersey than the rest of the team. The different positions each team has are one goalkeeper, three fullbacks, three halfbacks, two midfielders, three half forwards, and three full forwards. Again, the ball is round, but it is slightly smaller than a soccer ball. You play by carrying the ball in one hand for four steps. Once you have reached your four-step limit, you must drop the ball onto your foot and bounce the ball back into your hand. This action is called bounced or soloed. You may never bounce the ball twice in a row. If you do not wish to take your four steps with the ball, you may kick the ball or hand pass the ball. When you hand pass the ball, you must strike the ball with your open hand or closed fist. When you are on defense, you can try to steal the ball with your hands or you can charge an opponent and strike them with your shoulder side to side. Then when scoring in Gaelic football, you can either kick or hand the ball over the crossbar for one point 
or you can kick the ball under the crossbar into the net for three points. There are also three main types of fouls in Gaelic football. The first being a technical foul, which can be one of the following, going more than four steps without releasing, bouncing, or soloing the ball, bouncing the ball twice in a row, changing hands, which is throwing the ball from your right hand to your left or vice versa. Next, throwing the ball. It must be hand passed by striking the ball first meaning you can't just chuck the ball down the field like you're playing American football. Next, hand passing a goal. To hand pass a ball with an open palm, there must be a clear striking action. The ball may be punched over the bar from up in the air, but not into the goal. Also, you are not allowed to pick the ball directly off the ground. It must be scooped up into the hands by your foot. The second kind of foul is an aggressive foul. Aggressive fouls are physical or verbal fouls committed by a player against an opponent or a referee. The player can be cautioned by being shown a yellow card, ordered off the pitch without a substitution, being shown a red card, or ordered off the pitch with a substitution, being shown a black card. The third and final kind of fouls are dissent fouls. A dissent foul is where a player fails to comply with officials' judgment or instructions. The players can be cautioned being shown a yellow card or ordered off the pitch without a substitution being shown a red card or a free kick may be given. And in certain circumstances, the game actually can be terminated. The following are considered dissent fouls. To challenge the authority of a referee, umpire, linesman, or side official. To fail to comply with a referee's instruction to use a mouth guard. To refuse to leave the field of play on the instruction of the referee after an injury involving bleeding. To show dissent with the referee's decision to award a free kick to the opposing team. To refuse to leave the field of play when ordered off or rejoin the game after being ordered off the field. And lastly, a team or players who are leaving the field without the referee's permission or refusing to continue to play. Now on the Dom to give us a brief rundown of the different types of leagues. So there are three competitions that operate year-round under the Gaelic Athletic Association. First is the National Football League, or NFL, which operates at an inter-county basis and is considered the second most prestigious competition in Gaelic football. Unlike many league competitions in sports, each team only plays their division opponents only once. Once the divisional matches are played, the later stages of the league become a knockout competition for teams in each division. These knockout stages are often seen as good preparation for the upcoming All-Ireland Championship. The second league for Gaelic football is the All-Ireland Senior Championship, which also operates on an inter-county basis. And this is considered the most prestigious competition in Gaelic football. This is an annual tournament organized by the Gaelic Athletic Association and comprises of six stages. First, county teams, including teams from London and New York, play in their respective provisional championships. These provincial championships operate through a knockout cup competition format and take place during the months of May and June. Winners of each of the four provincial championships earn a place in the All-Ireland Super 8s, which is a round-robin group stage tournament which takes place in the months of July and August. Now, teams that don't win their respective provincial championships, except New York, have two pathways to remain in the championship. Teams will either continue 
to remain alive in the championship and proceed to the All-Ireland qualifiers or be moved to the second tier knockout championship, which is called the Tauteen Cup. This is a straight knockout format in which the winner advances to the qualifying rounds of the senior championship. So after the preliminary rounds comes two qualifying rounds. In round one, eight eligible teams play in this round with teams who failed to reach their provincial final draw against their opponent. Winners progress to round two and losers are eliminated. Sometimes a preliminary round is played before round one if it is necessary to reduce the number of teams to eight. Next comes round two. Again, eight teams play in this round, but this round comprises of the four round one winners and the four losing provincial finalists. Each team is drawn against one opponent and the winners progress to the All-Ireland Super 8s while the losers are eliminated from the tournament. So the All-Ireland Super 8s comprises of four provincial champions and the winners of the second round of the qualifying rounds. These eight teams take part in a group stage that takes place in July and August. And the group stage is organized on a league basis with two groups of four teams. Each team plays the other three teams once. Now, each group consists of two provincial champions and two teams from the qualifying rounds. And each team will play two games at Croke Park, one home and one away. Now, the top two teams in both groups qualify for the All-Ireland semifinals. So in the semifinals, the winner of Group 1 plays the runner-up of Group 2, and the winner of Group 2 plays the runner-up of Group 1 in two semifinal games played over the course of one weekend. Now, the winners of these games move on to the All-Ireland Final. This takes place in August of each year, and the winning team is crowned All-Ireland Champions and is presented with the Sam Maguire Cup. The third competition in Gaelic football is called the All-Ireland Club Championship. Now, as the name suggests, this tournament doesn't comprise of county teams, but it uh, consists of club teams. The All-Ireland Senior Football Club Championship is an annual Gaelic football tournament which began in 1970 and is considered the top tier competition for senior football clubs in Ireland and London. Now, all Ireland's 32 counties play their county championships between their senior Gaelic football clubs, and each county is allowed to decide the format for determining their county champions. And they can either choose a knockout format a double elimination format or a league format. And this competition is contested by individual clubs from Ireland and London and is played over five different stages. So first are the county championships, which take place between April to November, the provincial championships, which is from October to December, then the All-Ireland quarterfinal from mid-December to January, the All-Ireland semifinals from mid-January to February, and then the All-Ireland final is played at Croke Park on March 17th in Dublin. Perfect. Now I'll hand it back over to Nick and Dom, who will give a rundown on some of the sport's best players and teams, starting with Nick and the best players. I just chose the top five players from the men's and then the top five players from the women's. First on my list for the men, I have Raymond Galligan. He is a goalkeeper for County Cavan. He used to play forward, but due to too many injuries over the first part of his career, he had to reinvent himself as a goalie. And he actually has reinvented himself into being one of the best goalies around. Second on my list, I have Pedridge Faulkner. He is a defender for County Cavan as well. Third on my list, I have Michael Fitzsimmons. He is a fullback for County Dublin. Throughout his career, he has managed to win titles at multiple levels and be a two-time All-Star. Fourth on my list, I have Osin Molin. He is a fullback for County Mayo. He is in his early 20s and is already making a lot of noise within the sport, so I only saw 
it fitting to put him on my list as well. And then last on my list, I have Patrick Durkan, or some of his teammates call him Patty. He is a right halfback for County Mayo. And like the others, he is a champion at multiple levels and an all-star. Now on to the women. First, I have Monica McGurk. She is a goalkeeper for County Meath, and she is also an all-star. Second, I have Sanid Burke. She is a wingback for County Galway. Third on my list, I have Neve Collins. She is a defender for County Dublin, and she as well is an all-star within the sport. Fourth, I have Melissa Dugan. She is a defender for County Rebel. And then last, I have Nicola Ward. And like many others, she is an all-star, and she is a defender for County Galway. So since the most prestigious tournament in the sport consists of teams at the county level, I figured it would be best to go through the top five most successful county level teams. So starting at number five, we have County Cork, which has 44 titles across all competitions. Four, we have County Mayo at 49 titles. Three, County Galway at 57 titles. Two is County Dublin with 86 titles. And number one is County Kerry at 117 titles. Now, as we mentioned before, the sport of Gaelic football is very important to the Irish community, and it is also very important to the Irish communities that are based in America, such as Boston. So I'd like to hand it off to Nick to kind of put that into scope. Yeah, just for our listeners, I myself found it a little hard to be able to put that into scope for you guys, how they feel about it only because I'm not a part of that community. But I felt it appropriate to answer this prompt with some quotes that I found while doing my research from people within that community. Here they are. It's never been about sport. It's an expression of Irishness. Gaelic games are more a cultural expression than a sporting activity. Everybody's in this for the right reasons. We sit in a broad church. It's about celebrating our culture in a positive way. It should never be oppressive or forced. Ireland has awoken to the efforts required to ensure not only that more females play sport, but that more females stay playing sport. Just from those few quotes, I felt that it was impactful because this sport is more than just that. It's something that people can connect with wherever they are. And it seems from what I found that people are proud of what they built from the inception of this sport until now. They're proud of the inclusiveness. They're proud of the malleability of it. And I think that is amazing. And that's something that stretches throughout the world, especially within our Irish communities here in America today. Now, back this week is story time with David. And I'd like to let David take it away. Yeah, thanks, Nick. And honestly, this is a great part of the show because it gives us a chance to give our own personal take on sport. And in this one, much like the last one, was coming from the perspective of me going on my study abroad trip for the global sport industry trip back in 2017 when we went to Ireland, Germany, and the Netherlands. And in this one, we actually were in Ireland. We were about halfway through, give or take, when we went to this actual Gaelic football club where we actually got to partake in the sport itself while there. And when we were at the building itself, they, inside the club, it had a dining room, it had a bar. It basically was a restaurant inside this inside this complex where people can come, have laughs, have a few beers and whatnot. And outside, they actually have fields where you can play the sports and practice for any of your future games. And this is where we actually got to play. And everyone on the trip had an amazing time. They basically explained the rules of the game and then said the do's and don'ts and said, go have fun. And we did. It was an absolute 
blast for everyone, myself included. Now, earlier on in our trip, we actually got to stop at Crook Park, essentially the place where all the major sporting events for Gaelic football or the other sport hurling, which we'll eventually cover on the show. And our tour guide of Croke Park was giving us a story of his favorite player being a 10th grade science teacher of a school that was about 15 minutes away. Like that to me is amazing that a person who has a job and pretty much works like however many hours they do for teachers over in Ireland on top of being a profession, essentially a, a an amateur professional of this game. So I thought that was fascinating. I thought it was interesting. And it was definitely a blast learning about these things. So I'll hand it back over to Nick for our final thoughts. Yeah, thanks, David. I I first would like to say that this sport is so much different than the ones that we have covered before. I mean, the fans and players who participate in this sport are so passionate, even though the players are amateurs. Like David said, many of them have regular jobs like being a teacher. Also, like David said in his story about being able to visit a field and learn and play the game, they want tourists and people from their community to come and use the field to play the game so they can learn more about it. They want people to fall in love with its history. And I think that is the main reason Gaelic football has lasted through all of its hardships. And, have la- and has lasted this long, and people are so passionate about it. Lastly, I just want to point out that this sport resembles so many of our major sports today. The ball is basically a volleyball, and the way that they hand the ball is like a volleyball serve. They have a goal like in soccer and a field goal post like in football. They also are able to kick the ball like soccer does while shoulder checking one another like many of our sports do today. I think it is amazing that we can credit Gaelic football for what we have today. So when I was doing research for this episode, I really had no idea what to expect. Gaelic football was a sport that I've heard about, but I really knew nothing about it. And when I was doing my research, I became fascinated with the sport. You know, everything about the game was really interesting to me, Um, from the amateurism to how the major competitions operate, and as well as the game itself. And I really think that it's a sport that everybody should learn more about, really because the game itself is really exciting. Yeah, and I'd agree with both of you guys. And I want to thank you guys for going in into this much depth because I was expecting maybe the history and the story portions to be the longest parts of this episode, and they weren't. They were the rules and what you guys pretty much covered. So I want to thank you guys for doing that. And I also want to thank our listeners for tuning into this episode because it was honestly a great one. The guys did an amazing job and I can't thank and compliment these guys enough. So until next time, this is Deep Dive Sports. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.